0: This is Amateur Logic, Episode 156 for May 15th, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories. And by ICOM. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George.
1: I'm Tommy.
2: I'm Emil. And <laughs> I'm Mike.
0: And Mike. So you can see what kind of show <laughs> it's going to be tonight. This is the first, well, I guess, show that we've had with two people in the studio here for Amateur Logic. Yeah. Since a year or more than a, little a year. little over a year. Yeah.
1: It seems really weird too, to be honest with you. It does. Let me let me know if you need some more of this hand sanitizer. Okay.
0: Yeah, you better freshen me up here a little bit.
3: <laughs> so,
0: what are you going to talk about, Emil?
3: I have a forum, a Facebook forum post from Nick Gavin, and he is a new technician that's been watching you guys. So, there you go. You're uh, you're getting that uh, word out there creating new hams uh there you go kf0 flr i believe is the call and nick wrote to us and said so last night after failing three previous times i finally passed my tech test what are some things i should start with once i get my call sign so he came to the forum here and there are 28 comments on this uh post here with plenty of uh, advice and information, and the one that stuck out to me, Professor, is the last sentence in your comment to Nick, was, if you could locate another ham in the area, that will be a big help. And the comment right after that from uh, Bob also said, find a local radio club, more than one. Those two really stuck out to me because a lot of people were giving them all sorts of advice, including me, about HF and... Privileges and things that would really pile on really quick, but uh, those two comments I thought stuck out pretty good. So congratulations to uh, Nick for getting his ticket and becoming a tech. Congrats!
0: Yeah, congrats, Nick, and yeah, welcome congrats. to the club.
2: And one of, one of the things about the club's uh, uh, meeting, typically virtually these days, uh, anybody can join in from anywhere. And uh, most clubs welcome anyone to join in to their meetings. So it's kind of an opportune time.
0: It is. Yeah. I had not thought about that, but you're right, Mike.
2: Yeah,
1: things, a lot of things have changed. I actually did a, a club meeting uh, over Zoom. Zoom? A while back, yeah. Yeah. About a month and a half, maybe two months back.
0: Well, tonight, <laughs> I've got a segment here I want to share with you. There's something that... Apparently, it's been around a while, and I did not know about it. I mean, we've been doing digital stuff over the radios for, for quite a while. But I didn't know how much shortwave radio was involved in this, too. And I just happened to stumble upon something. And I said, I've got to try that out. And I did. And, and you did. And how here's it work out for you? Well, let's see. Okay. What is a radiogram? According to Cambridge Dictionary, it's an image made using x-rays or other rays. Wikipedia says in British English, a radiogram is a piece of furniture that combines a radio and a record player. The word radiogram is a portmanteau of radio and gramophone. In American English, we call that a console. With the Radiogram Android app, you can listen to radio stations on your phone or tablet. No aerial is required, only an Internet connection. Or perhaps a Radiogram is a formal written message transmitted by a radio, also known as a Radio Telegram or radiotelegraphic Message. Here is an early Radiogram sent to President FDR from RCA on December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. An AWRL radiogram is the instance of a formal written traffic message routed by a network of amateur radio operators through the traffic net called the National Traffic System. However, today we're going to be looking at a different type of radiogram. Shortwave Radiogram transmits digital text and images via analog shortwave broadcast transmitters. The program is produced and presented by Dr. Kim Andrew Elliott for you to decode the digital text and images. Most listeners choose FL Digi for a PC or the TIVAR app for Android devices. You can learn more about Shortwave Radiogram at swradiogram.net. There you will find a schedule of the times, dates, stations, and frequencies. I like to record the broadcast directly using my IC7700. This gives me the option to record and try decoding as many times and with as many apps as I would like. I used FL Digi here with a Raspberry Pi 400. The first thing you need to do is select the mode that will be transmitted. That will change at different times on different weeks. The week I recorded here for demonstration, they were using MFSK 32 and MFSK 64 to do text, HTML, and images. Let's take a look at how this works.
4: Program 195, shortwave radio I'm Kim Andrewelli of Arlington, Virginia, USA. On shortwave radiogram, we transmit digital text and images on an analog shortwave broadcast transmitter. For more information about our project, visit swradiogram.net. That's swradiogram.net. On today's program, text in MFSK32 and MFSK64. News about the discovery of the most distant quasar with powerful radio jets. A story in HTML format about a car battery swapping system, and our images of the week. First, the program preview in MFSK 32. That's MFSK 32
0: The program began with a short introduction and a lineup of what will be in this particular program. They were on episode 195. I had no idea this program had been airing that long. In this episode, they're presenting a story on the most distant quasar using MFSK-32. Then they switch to MFSK-64 and do a story on an automated battery swap station. It is formatted in HTML, also in MFSK64, will be images of the week. Then they'll switch back to MFSK32 for the closing announcement. After a few minutes I received the entire Quasar article with no errors. This was kind of surprising to me because the signal was fading in and out throughout the transmission. Next, they displayed a message alerting us to switch to MFSK64 mode. I was a little slow doing this, but didn't miss the message. Once this mode begins, you can tell the data is coming down a lot faster just by the way it sounds. And, you can see it's displayed faster on the screen as well. This message was delivered with HTML tags. That means we'll have a message suitable for viewing in a web browser. Once all the text is received, we'll want to copy everything between the line with doc type HTML at its beginning and the line with slash HTML at its end. We'll place this into a text editor. You'll want to use a text editor like Notepad, not a word processor, because a word processor might strip out the HTML tags. In FL Digi, it's probably easiest to right-click, select all, then copy and paste it into your text editor. Once you've got it in your text editor, you can delete everything before the doctype tag and after the slash HTML tag. Then save this with the .html extension. Now you can open it with a web browser. You'll have a formatted web page of what we just received. On this particular week's shortwave radiogram, they also transmitted a series of pictures. And I believe they do that most weeks. These are all lower resolution photos so that they'll transmit quicker. And I've speeded up the playback time here because of time constraints. This is a rare yellow cardinal. It's not a separate species, but a genetic mutation of a common red cardinal. There were several other images sent, like this winner of the Black and White Minimalist Photography Award, this lava lake in the Democratic Republic of Congo, this pair of hooters, a picture of a boat on the River Orwell in England, a riverside in Inverness, Scotland under a full moon. You can see the signal fade near the middle of the transmission of the image. Sundown in Scotland, and the Painting of the Week from 1904, A Girl Resting Against a Haystack. If you're looking for fun radioactivity, you might want to check out Shortwave Radiogram by going to swradiogram.net. There you'll find all the details as well as what's going to be in the next show and where and when to tune in. This was a lot of fun, and I'm definitely going to do it again.
4: <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: oh, yes, you what, did. What did you say in the picture? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I was just, you know... <laughs> How'd you do
1: it with a straight face? Because you didn't even crack up when you said it. You didn't see my face.
2: That <laughs> was—I did
0: it like ten <laughs> takes, and that's the one I didn't.
2: And I was cracking okay. up a couple episodes ago when you said "nice rack."
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was. <laughs> and and there was actually a pair of owls there that we just yeah. saw for those watching on the Can't argue with listening. That those not watching yeah. the video. Yeah but nice owls.
2: Actually maybe we should put the t shirts in the uh in the in the swag shop. With the two owls on them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make them orange.
0: That was funny. Well, that was a lot of fun and you know, all those those they only did M F S K thirty two and sixty four. Uh huh. But you can do those modes on ham radio. Oh yeah. yeah it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that I was really it was, cool. Yeah. and Who
2: do you think their target audience is for, for that kind of decoding?
0: Um, so, shortwave. Do you think wave.
2: the average uh, shortwave listener is uh, decoding those uh, radiograms?
0: I think it's possible, you know, because, you know, anyone listening to shortwave, maybe their are um, Part of it is the experience, and if they've got a computer, the software is... Uh, cost compliant so i i think yeah anybody whether you're a ham or not you might want to check that out you know that that was fun stuff and
2: that is really cool yeah i didn't know it existed either
0: yeah you're right
2: George. how long do you think they've been doing that for because um i know my uh, world radio uh, tv handbook is a, a little out of date but uh there was nothing like that in in the edition that i have
0: uh that was episode 195 and they do it i believe once a week so uh,
2: oh wow a couple of years then
0: yeah
3: they not all send it in HTML format um but you know there's there's plenty of different things they're doing there and yeah you just got to follow them i think they have a Either a Facebook or, a, or their own website for them where they tell you what they're going to do in advance.
0: They do, and yeah, you'll know what's going to happen. And if you know the mode they start out with, they post everything else there. I've been looking for a used vehicle, and I think you found something that yeah. might suit the bill. Well,
1: I got a, actually, I got a PSA from my friend Scott Walsh. She posted it in uh, Facebook. It says how to kidnap a radio amateur, but if you're a ham and you're finding yourself down by the river and uh, you see a van that says free ham radios, you may want to stay away from it.
3: It's a van down by the river? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's
1: my best Chris Farley voice. I need to work on it. Those skits were great. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was pretty funny.
0: We got a lot more to go. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Do you need an HF antenna choice that's compact yet efficient? Then check out the new MFJ1835 cobweb antenna. It's a five-band, one-half-wave antenna that's perfect for restricted spaces or portable operation. This cobweb antenna design is five one-half-wave open-loop wire antennas in one covering 20, 17, 15, 12, and and 10 meters, and it handles up to 300 watts. The sky-gray fiberglass spreaders and nearly invisible wire elements blend in with your surroundings while standing tough against nasty weather. The MFJ1835 is horizontally polarized for less local noise pickup, plus it gives you solid gain over vertical antennas, up to 5 dBi gain for working DX easily, even at QRP power levels. There's no need for ground radials with this antenna. Connect your coax to the SO239 feed point, and you'll get low SWR with MFJ's exclusive Spider Match broadband network. The radiation pattern is nearly omnidirectional, so you won't need a rotator. Better yet, it measures only 13 feet diagonally and weighs in at just 8 pounds, which allows you to mount it with lightweight TV antenna hardware to your chimney balcony, fence post, or most any convenient location. Don't let limited space keep you off the HF bands. Get on the air now with the MFJ 1835 Cobweb Half-Wave 5-Band Antenna. For more information on this and all the other fine MFJ products, visit MFJEnterprises.com today. And that was a good point, Tommy. You mentioned right... uh
1: Yeah, I was wondering if that's somebody's wife who drove that van down by the river.
0: That could be. I could see that being free radios. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's probably the only way
1: you're going to find a free one. Yeah.
0: Well, let's see. Where are we next here on the show tonight? Emil, you have been working on a project that I think is near and dear to your
3: heart. I really came to... uh need or have a few needs this time if I'm going to continue my digital uh field operations out there especially when you're not connected to anything you don't want to be or you or you can't because uh some hurricane decided to come through and wipe us all, all of our infrastructure out down here I needed a way to sync my time and also uh get positions And I come up with a little device here that some people might be familiar with to help me out with that. So that's what my segment's all about. Hello, George, Tommy, Mike, Amateur Logic TV viewers. Today, I'm going to show you a cheap solution for setting the time on a laptop as well as getting GPS positions to send through the WinLink system or maybe other applications you might have when you're not connected to anything and getting that information out there. The device in question I'm gonna be talking about is the, the GPS GLONASS u 7 GPS dongle and this device, which is about $15, available on Amazon or other places. It is a cheap solution that can set your time. In this case, I'm going to use it with the WinLink system on Windows 10, but it does work with Raspberry Pis. I've actually tested it out with my Pi-Star image as well. So it works on the COM port. It's plugged in right now. I'll go ahead and show you that. Device Manager. So here it is as a COM port. In my case, COM3. So I'm going to go ahead and open up WinLink Express and show you how you would go about using that uh, USB GPS dongle. Under the settings menu, there's a GPS position and reports item in the WinLink Express software. And when you pick that, you would pick the COM port in question. In my case, the GPS baud rate that it communicates on is 9600 baud. And here you can see it's communicating data constantly, every second, basically, to the computer via that COM port. So if I click the use GPS button and use current time button here, I'm going to have a position with time ready to go. So if I hit post report, it goes ahead and it puts in my outbox that message message. Which I can then, in turn, send via a local packet system that we have here. Go ahead and um, pick one. My uh, in my case, it's a K five PRC dash ten Digipeter or Winlink gateway off of a Digipeter that we have here in Slide L. It's pretty high up there, six hundred feet, and that nickname is SIL. So if I go ahead and hit start you'll hear this conversation taking place. It's connected up to the Pearl River County Windlink Gateway. And there you go, the message. I actually received the message as well in my uh, thing. I I sent one earlier and you'll see that here. And it's probably a duplicate packet. I've sent one recently. So, uh, but you will see in the actual WinLink system there, their position reports You can see there my text of the ublox gps Glonass auto position report sent via packet that's something i uh put in there just to make sure it was making it but they have a positions report site themselves which other people who might not be in an affected area can get to to see where you are or where you're reporting if you're reporting so um there you go using a, a cheap GPS in the Winlink system. In my case, we, we have packet gateways. Of course, you can use any of the others to do the same thing. Uh, HF gateways, um, the Telnet gateways. So there's many ways to use this system. Another thing here that you can do, especially if you're out in a field, like say field day, is to sync your time from the GPS system directly from this little device here, and of course set my computer's time to it. Again, same thing here, BKT time sync software. That's free, of course. And you can also specify the COM port, serial port, serial rate, and how it's going to talk to this uh, device. You can see here some of the last times it synced. And I can tell it, of course, always to sync now. 0.004 seconds offset. So now my clock on the computer here is going to be set to uh, GPS time. There are some things you can do if you're out of touch with the rest of the world and those satellites are still floating around up there. Then uh, you can get some things done with them. With a $15 USB dongle and, of course, the PC that it's in, or a Raspberry Pi. Uh, the Windows 10 edition of this does uh, require a driver. Of course, that's free, and you can download it. It comes with its own software as well. The Pi doesn't require a driver or Linux. That just works. 7.3, KE5-QKR.
2: Arnie wanted to know if it relies on the Russian information or the U.S. GPS System,
3: the Glonize, Glonas G L O N A S, yeah. Um, so it'll use, it'll use. So it comes with a software that you can configure the thing with, uh, and you, you can basically tell it what you want it to do. Uh, I've noticed that inside it takes about forty-five seconds to sync, to sync up, um, and that's from inside the house. But it's, uh, it'll, it'll. It does pretty good. I was surprised that it works inside. So, yeah, both. Yes, yeah, all D, all of the above. And we know with the digital modes, you know, how important it is to get some of these modes uh, within a second of accuracy, mm. right? So yeah. you kind of have to uh, – you need something while out there in the field. So I thought I would give this a try, and it just worked.
2: Nice. Cool. And I just figured out how to do it for
3: nothing by using my old –
2: garmin gps 2 plus that has a a nema serial output on it
0: you Hmm. mean repo clause hasn't come to claim that
2: yet not (laughs) yet
3: (laughs) (laughs) field day is coming up right so that's that's that was the uh impetus behind my wanting to do that is just to make sure i got that thing and they apparently they're going to go ahead and, uh, speaking of field day, extend those rules. You know how they have the special rules where you can combine your scores and operate from pretty much anywhere, oh. but you can combine your scores as a group for your club. Oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're carrying out all that over again this year. So I wonder if
1: that's
0: going to be a norm going forward. I don't know. Well, Mike. My- You actually have an email this time around rather than some social media post.
2: This one comes from Steven, and and I'll give you his call sign, Kilo Oscar 4, November Oscar Papa. And he writes, Hi, Mike. After years of watching Tommy and George, and more recently you and Emil, on and off the other Roku app, I recently buckled down and got my technician ticket. So great. My first contact, you were in control at the time. Could combine amateur logic and one of my favorite TV shows, Last Man Standing. Echo Link is great. I need to get my general so I can play for real next time. You guys do a great job, and thanks for bringing me into the hobby. Steve. Kilo Oscar 4, November Oscar Papa. Thanks, Steve, and uh, congratulations.
0: Yeah, congrats, Steve. And, uh, you know, even a technician can play in the game, you know, and It counts. So That's yeah.
1: right. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Mike's got a segment we're going to look at here in just a moment. You've been back playing on the web again, I see. So, you you can I t- have. You can okay. tell us about that when we come right back. The great outdoors is calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of Icom's ultimate SDR transceivers. Stay connected while off the grid. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who want to enjoy both the great indoors and outdoors. It's the perfect QRP companion. This transceiver has features and functions at the tips of your fingers in a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, 70 centimeters, and the weight is just under 2 pounds. 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. 5 watts with BP272 battery, or 10 watts with 13.8 volts DC input. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the VHF UHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. 4.3-inch color touchscreen with real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. Smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels. And it supports dual watch operation and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Visually sees the VHF UHF world with ICOM's IC9700. Heard it, worked it, logged it. ICOM's IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. ICOM's IC7300 is a radio that chains the way entry-level HF is designed. Visit ICOMAmerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Nice. Tommy, you're waiting on an ICOM product come in right now yeah my ah
1: 705 tuner yeah. yeah you got one nice. on order can't wait for it to get here
2: it's i wonder of... if that uh, 705 over time will uh will beat the sales records for the 7300 or Sorry. yeah of the 7300 um because it's it's so popular right now and i don't see it dropping off anytime soon either Yeah,
0: i don't know man
1: so that 7300 was it's really popular, but the seven hundred five is it's uh it's on fire right now. Well, it is keeps them in stock.
3: Yeah. It is. Is that because you took it apart, George? It's on fire.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't take the radio apart. Just the tuner. Tuner.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. He, he wouldn't leave the radio uh, around <laughs> me long enough to.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, to avoid the warranty. Yeah, oh, Lord. Lord, right. <laughs> well, and Mike, what have you been up to? I know, like I, I teased it a minute ago. I know you've been back on the web, but ex- explain.
2: Well, about sp- a year oh. ago, I talked about I did. It was more of a live kind of demo, and I probably should have did the same thing because I ran into some technical difficulties. Uh, with it, but uh, anyway, long story short, a fellow by the name of Jacob took over the open web rx project from another fellow ham I think was based in uh, Hungary mm-hmm. um, and he 's been running with it ever since, and he just released the first full release, version one point zero point zero uh, last week as a matter of fact and uh, it's it 's pretty exciting because a lot of the uh, kind of things that, uh, a lot of the users found difficult, uh, setting up their SDR radios with it had to do with the fact that you had to, um, edit, uh, actual text files or configuration files manually. And it was a bit of a a trial and error process, uh, because at the time there wasn't a lot of documentation and unless you really knew what you were doing, um, you could, things could go wrong pretty quickly, um. But now what he's done is he's created a GUI interface for the configuration, and he's made it uh, kind of a complete package. So there's kind of no reason why anybody with uh, an SDR radio such as SDR dongle or SDR play uh, and a Raspberry Pi shouldn't be able to, uh, to get it up and running now. Last year in Amateur Logic episode 142, I did a live demo on Open OpenWebRx version 0.18, an orphaned WebSDR project that had been recently adopted by Jacob, DD5JFK. In this month's episode, we'll take a look at the first full release, version 1.00, and I'll highlight some of the changes in this edition. Here is the required hardware that we'll need. First we'll need a Raspberry Pi model 3B, 3B plus, or 4 which I recommend. And we'll also need a microSD card, class 10 or faster, and four gb or larger. An HDMI monitor, USB mouse and keyboard. We only need this temporarily as we set this up and it can be removed afterwards. A five volt power source, 2.4 amps or better, with a micro USB connector on the end a micro HDMI to HDMI adapter, if you're using a standard cable with a Raspberry Pi 4, and supported SDR device. Let's go to the OpenWebRx site and download the image. I should point out at this point that you can also run OpenWebRx on an Intel Core processor under Ubuntu Linux or Docker. Next we'll need to format a micro SD memory card to burn our image file on. For this we'll use the SD associations SD card formatter utility. We'll need a 4 gb or larger class 10 or better micro SD card and adapter to fit your computer. Go ahead and format the SD card but be careful that you are formatting the correct device and ignore and cancel any windows messages suggesting you to format your SD card or you'll have to start all over again. And lastly, we'll use the Raspberry Pi Foundation's Raspberry Pi Imager app to write the OpenWebRx image onto our microSD card. You can use other imaging applications if you wish, such as Win32 Disk Imager or Balena Etcher, but I have found the Raspberry Pi Imager to work flawlessly, and you don't have to uncompress your image file first, just specify the zip file. Once the image has been written to the microSD card, eject it from your computer and insert it into the Raspberry Pi. Be sure that the Raspberry Pi is powered off before inserting any devices, especially the microSD card. As a reminder, always do a pseudo power off or similar before removing the power. With your freshly burned microSD card inserted, HDMI monitor, USB mouse and keyboard connected, Go ahead and apply power to your Raspberry Pi. Within a few seconds, you should be seeing Linux commands scrolling down the screen as the operating system is loading. The code line should eventually stop and leave you at a command prompt. The default username and password is the standard Pi and Raspberry. Log in with these credentials and you should arrive at the pi at openwebrx command prompt. We need to take care of a few things first, such as setting up your Raspberry Pi for Wi Fi access if you're not using the wired Ethernet connection, regional settings such as location, time zone, language, and keyboard layout, and also I recommend enabling SSH so that you can manage your Raspberry Pi remotely and lose the HDMI monitor, mouse, and keyboard. The command for this is sudo raspy-config. Go ahead and set up the following settings. I won't go into detail here, as there is lots of information on the Raspberry Pi Foundation's website and other sites. Google is your best friend here. For security reasons, Jacob has chosen not to enable a default user account, so you'll need to create one first in order to change settings, etc. You do this at the command line, so before you take away the HDMI monitor, mouse and keyboard, create your user accounts first like this. Okay let's fire up your web browser and navigate to OpenWebRx. That URL should immediately bring you to a screen similar to this. I click on the drop-down list here and you can tell that I have two devices that are currently connected to my uh, uh, Raspberry Pi 4 that's uh, running OpenWebRx. So I have an RTL-SDR dongle and I also have an SCR Play and you can see I've got uh, several Uh, These are defaults, by the way. Uh, Some of these uh, band segments have been pre-configured, and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Unfortunately, I can't let you listen to the audio, but it will decode all the various digital modes, including the new M17, which is a new feature on this version. Um, But unfortunately, my screen capture software, uh, for some reason, is conflicting with the audio coming out of OpenWebRx, and I'm not able to record it. One other thing I should mention is these are uh, pre-configured bookmarks or you can configure your own bookmark just by clicking the little bookmark symbol down here. You can give it a name and it will actually use the current frequency that you're tuned in on um, and sets the mode up as well. This little status button up here toggles the status on and off and you can see uh, the audio buffer, audio output, audio stream which is currently uh, 48 kilobits per second and my network usage uh, for this particular stream is uh, currently sitting around 280 uh, kilobits per second um, you can see my CPU load is currently at 21% and that I currently have one client which is me um, so on a Raspberry Pi 4 I guess it's a good time to talk about this Raspberry Pi 4, I haven't done any extensive testing as, as this new version has only been out for... Oh, it only came out last week, so I haven't done too much testing, but based on my, my current utilization with one client, um, I estimate that I could probably support uh, three users at one time on, the, on this Raspberry Pi 4. I am told that if you're using a, uh, an Intel iCore processor... Uh, running say Ubuntu or Debian uh, with OpenWebRX, you can support up to about 20 uh, concurrent users. Uh, okay, so that's the status. And if you click on the log button, uh, it will bring up a little bit of information about the about the developer himself, uh, Jacob uh, DD5K JFK. And uh, there's a hot link here to the OpenWebRX homepage and the Groups I.O. mailing list and if I click on receiver here that just toggles my my receiver box on and off and if I click on map it will show me a Google map of my location let's go back and let's click on settings and this is really the exciting part of uh, OpenWebRx uh, 1.0 because Uh, Prior to this release, there was no uh, actual interface, and you had to actually modify or edit a text file for all your devices and uh, the appropriate band segments. And and keep in mind, an SDR device can only um, manage a small slice of what it's capable of receiving at one time. So you have to create various, uh, I guess you could call them band segments for each device, Um, and of course that's going to vary depending on what your device is and what its capabilities are so um, this box here uh, if you remember we created uh, a user account I created v3mic and I'm just going to enter in a password here and click the login button okay here's the main settings menu and uh, this is where you're going to do your initial setup so I recommend after you've uh, done your initial setup that we talked about in the video earlier uh, you're going to go here to the settings and you're going to want to set up uh, first of all your general settings and you can see it's got to your basic uh, information, your location, um, details about the, the actual site of where the receiver is located, uh, elevation in meters above sea level, um, you can put in a, uh, an email address here, which is handy if you want to have people contact you. You can put an email address in there, your uh, longitude, latitude, in decimal degrees. Uh, you can put a photo in here. And here's a nice photo of, of the bay uh, in the area that I live. Um, and you can actually uh, change your avatar image as well. The maximum number of, of current clients that... Uh, that uh, you want to permit uh, to be connected to your OpenWebRx uh, node. And currently I have mine set at 3. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff here you probably don't want to change. Just go with the defaults unless you really know what you're doing. This is where you set your tuning precision and you can set all the way down to 1 hertz if you like. Let's just have a look at some of the other settings here. And we're going to go back to the main menu. And this is where you specify your devices and profiles. And you can see that I have an RTL-SDR dongle. And there's two profiles that are currently set up for that. And my SDR Play, which has five profiles. And um, you can add new devices by clicking on this box here. Uh, We talked about bookmarks earlier. If I had uh, bookmarks that I created, I can edit them here. And I think, yes, you can even import uh, personal bookmarks as well. So uh, you can add new bookmarks as well as delete them from here. This is getting more into the meat and potatoes. And again, unless you really know what you're doing, I don't recommend you change any of these settings until you get more accustomed to using uh, OpenWebRx. One thing you want to change, though, is... uh, we talked about this on, on the most recent uh, segment of Ham College. We talked about preemphasis and de and and it's going to be defaulted to 50 because uh, the developer being in Europe, um, they're using uh, 50 microseconds over in Europe as opposed to uh, North America, which uses 75 microseconds. So you can go ahead and change this one, but I recommend you... Uh, You leave the rest alone for now until you get accustomed to knowing what you're doing with it. Um, This is of interest to those people who are into spotting. Uh, You can set it up so that uh, it reports uh, stations that it's heard. Um, And there's uh, APRS reporting, there's PSK reporting, and there's uh, Whisper uh, reporting. So you can set that up. And uh, have have the uh, Open Web RX uh, report directly to those sites. And lastly, uh, the feature report, which is is probably only going to be of interest to uh, those who have developer skills. Um, it talks about the various connectors and uh, devices that are used uh, within Open o- Open Web RX. So. Um, Hopefully that's given you a good overview, and um, I encourage everybody to set one of these up and uh, go play with it. Um, I wish the band conditions were better that I could uh, better demonstrate uh, some of the some of the decoding on the digital modes anyway. And I, again, I apologize for not being able to uh, to let you listen to any of the audio uh, because of my screen capturing issue. So that's it. I've only scratched the surface today on OpenWebRx 1.0, but I hope that I have provided you with enough information to get your own web-enabled SDR receiver node up and running. Jacob has been working extensively on this project and strives to keep everything up to date on his OpenWebRx GitHub site, including the documentation. I also recommend that you sign up for the OpenWebRxGroups.io group for help and information. I've also listed all of the necessary links in the show notes. 7.3 Seven three from VE three MIC.
1: That project has come a long way, you know. I did a, a segment on it a long time ago, but it's it's certainly relevant to to bring it back up again because it's changed so much. Um, but it, it's it's changed quite a lot.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, to DMR um, and D Star today actually um, with it. Um, it's certainly not. Up to the same caliber as say something with a hardware vocoder chip like an Ambi three thousand or three thousand and three, but certainly it's it's fully intelligible, um, and uh, for something that's done completely in software and in in particular running on a Raspberry Pi, it's pretty impressive.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's a cool project. Yeah, it
3: is definitely had the uh, function to price ratio as well mike
2: yeah actually uh, no no expenditures were uh, were spent in order to do this particular project you're, you're probably familiar with the kiwi sdrs that folks have uh, made accessible over the internet you could do the same thing with open Web rx as well
0: i myself have an email tonight
2: so it is so
0: it is so And this one comes from Larry, KD6NSA. And Larry wrote he found an oscilloscope on eBay for a good price, he thinks. He just wants my input if this is something to start out with, uh, to use on his ham radio setup to check, like, modulation from a mic or other things. Uh, He'd like to learn a little bit about oscilloscopes and just wanted to know If this is a good place to start, 7.3, my friend, I have seen those GW scopes. They are less expensive scopes. I've never actually used one. I've just seen them advertised. Can't really say if it's a good starter or not. I mean, it looks like it is if the price is right. That's what I'm thinking, but I don't know what the price was. Have any of you used those before or got Uh, any experience with them? I have
2: not. Not that model, but I'm curious whether or not it has a Z input on it. That's kind of handy for, uh, for for doing a lot of hand monitoring type stuff.
0: I don't know. It depends on what the price is. You can find you use oscilloscopes, though, at just about every ham fest now. So, you know, that would be another good place to possibly look. It does have a Z axis input It does Oh, there
2: you go You could use that as a good uh, tuning scope I used to hook up my oscilloscope to my PK-232 for tuning in RTTY It's great for that You get these crosshairs And when you're tuned right in You get this little circle right in dead center when you're tuned in
0: Well, you know, tonight I went to the closet And the only wardrobe I could find was this purple shirt right here and while it is comfortable, it's not like what you've got You're on not there. Representing? I'm not representing,
1: like the rest of the gang. Well, oh, Neil's not representing tonight. He normally is. Oh, there he goes.
0: Okay, I had
1: to wrestle it back from the dog.
0: So, so, <laughs> so I'm I'm completely out of wardrobe here. How could I get in the look, wardrobe? Program? Look,
1: I think I'm gonna. I'm going to send you an email with a link. Yeah, you're not in uniform. Com forward slash amateur logic, and you can get caps similar to what Mike and Emil have. You can get shirts similar to what I've got, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, backpacks, cups, mugs, all kind of good stuff. So anyway, go check it out at Com forward slash amateur logic. Okay. There's also some
0: Ham College stuff in there as well. Yeah. I could use more good stuff,
1: I know right, instead of having to wear a little purple shirt,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah and probably uh many of you know it, maybe not everyone, so we'll mention this as well. We started a new series of videos here just recently. You know, because we only do uh, Amateur Logic once a month and Ham College once a month. So we're filling in the blanks with Amateur Logic shorts. So the weeks that we don't have... uh,
1: But they're not the kind of shorts you get from the swag shop. No,
0: they don't have them in the swag shop yet. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, you could take a marker and make your own, but uh, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it. It's uh, basically every other week we've got a short video that we're posting out there, a segment like you might see on Amateur Logic, the regular episodes, except it's only going to be available on YouTube, so you'll have to watch it there if you'd like to see it. We'd encourage you to go check them out. We've had some good topics lately, uh, some that, well, I've done, all of us have done at least one or more of those by now. A recent one that I did was of that new ICOM a hundred five tuner, the one that goes perfectly with the IC705 rig. Yes, I've ordered the warranty on it right there on worldwide internet television. This one, I've forgotten what it was called. I think it was unboxing the a hundred five one screw at a time.
1: Kind of interesting to see what was inside of it. There's a lot packed in that little tuner.
0: And, you know, there's other things you might want to see inside of as well, like maybe what's in, uh, you know, one of these newfangled battery packs.
1: Or an oldfangled battery pack that you wanted to steal the cells out of.
0: And you did that for the last short.
1: Uh, showed how to get some uh, free or nearly free batteries
0: and how to use them in your project. Showed some good little components in there. Yeah. He almost made me go buy a lithium-ion battery charger. And I don't even have any single
1: cells like that. But. Well, that wasn't the point of the segment, but it is a pretty cool charger. It uh, showed a charger that I found that you can actually kind of revive those uh, flat cells. You know, once those lithium-ion batteries get dead, it's kind of hard to charge them back up. So not just any charger will do it.
0: That's true. And you want to be real careful. You don't want to put them on just any charger. No, either. you
1: certainly don't.
0: So that that was a great one.
3: I almost bought one of those, Tommy. When I looked at that segment, I was looking at that charger, thinking, "Man, I'm gonna click it. I'm gonna click it." But yeah. I, I, I have the uh, the cheap device on my mouse. It's two a uh, north pole of a magnet and a north pole <laughs> on my, a little finger thing I wear. So it's like a, you try to click, but it uh, won't let you. It repels it, it every time.
1: Yeah. This actually is a pretty inexpensive battery charger, considering.
0: Yeah, what, did you find that at Amazon or where? Yeah, did I did. You Cool.
1: I'll be probably be doing uh, some kind of a little segment on it sometime coming up about the rest of the functions in it. It's a nice tool to have. It's, it's saved me several times. Yeah, yeah
2: it um it charges uh, nickel cadmium and um, mm-hmm. nickel metal hydrides as well, yeah. I think, all the way up yeah. to the C size. Oh. I have the two-cell version of that hey. same charger.
0: Uh-huh. The thing that impressed me about it is it allowed you to test the cells, too. Uh-huh. Right, and that's that's exactly what I bought it for,
1: primarily for that function.
0: Yeah. So I've got some laptop batteries I'd like to explore, and I could have a bad sale in there.
2: That's where I got most of my, um, what are they, 18650s?
0: 18650,
2: um, yeah. Or 18650s, right, um, out of uh, old laptop batteries.
0: Now we've got something else going on that we started a little over a year ago now that's become pretty popular. As a, as a matter of fact, why don't you tell us about it, Tommy?
1: Well, when the uh, the COVID stuff hit and everybody kind of got grounded and and uh, sequestered to stay at home, we actually Mike came up with the idea of doing a net, and uh, so we kind of pursued it. and We've got the Amateur Logic check Net happens every Tuesday night. As you can see, 8 p.m. central or 100 UTC right now until the time changes next time. Uh, But it's a multi-mode net, and uh, it's got a lot of different modes there, a lot of different ways to connect. Uh, They're all tied together, and uh, you're encouraged to check in with multiple modes. Uh, Test out your gear. It's a lot of fun. We usually have a question. Uh, every net actually we do have a question every net and uh most of the time it's ham radio related. It's always fun and uh that way you can have a little bit more input and you know it's it's just very interesting. If you have uh some free time on Tuesday night, come check it out.
0: Yeah. It is a lot of fun and uh one of our net controls from well, this past Tuesday night is in the chat room tonight. Amanda's in there. Yeah. Uh Tom is in there as well. He's one of the net controls is as well as everybody you see right here. The four of us on the screen.
1: But anyway, come join us for it. It's it's a lot of fun. If you uh, check it out one time, there's a good chance you'll be back the following week as well. You can check
0: us out, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv.
3: Yep,
1: follow us on Twitter at
0: Amateur Logic.
3: Or at mewee.com to join Amateur Logic TV. Or groups.io slash g slash logic.
2: So, so
0: yeah. there you have it. Yeah, check in uh, one or more of those. We always post when the next episode will be shot live in case you'd like to check out the live stream. And one other thing you might want to check in. If you want to know what was in each episode and what links go with the particular segments in there, The best place to do that is the AmateurLogic.tv wiki, AmateurLogic.tv slash wiki. So with that, I think we've got another one almost in the can or in the tanker, however you want (laughs) to look at it. Uh, And we'll be back uh, around the 15th of next month. We'll have another Ham College coming up at the end of this month. And guess what? Next week, well, it'll be an Amateur Logic short.
1: Yeah, so be sure and go subscribe to the YouTube
0: channel so you don't miss those shorts. Yeah. So before we get out of here, Tommy, any final thoughts for tonight?
1: No, it's been fun. It's uh, It was great to be back here on set mm-hmm. and
0: uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it's like my neck had gotten stiff because I hadn't been, you know, like doing like this. Yeah, for over a year.
1: Yes, yeah, that was must have been all that crunching I heard.
0: It, it probably was. <laughs> Email. What about from down there?
3: Well, I'll, what I'm going to say is I hope to see y'all in field day. Oops, this year, and I hope to hear some of you on the air and i'll be out there with my little uh dongle setting the time and doing some digital and other modes we're going to try to hit some of those points this year out in the fields. so we got a little time before then but i uh, figured i'd just throw it out there okay
0: so whether or not you make any contacts you will be punctual
3: yes okay
0: <laughs> mike what about up there is the snow gone now and uh, the snow's like? all
2: gone, and I actually uh, mowed the lawn for the first time this year uh on on uh, last weekend and um i do I do have a a project that's underway it's it's not hand related but it's kind of interesting um I'm converting a couple of bikes into e bikes so oh. uh if you don't hear from me um you know in the next few days then something went terribly wrong
0: <laughs> yeah uh I would think you want to make sure you use the right charger for that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's usually the RC guys, I think, that um, that have the mishaps because they're ordering cells as opposed to actual battery packs. Um, I know uh, I mentioned Cousin Jerry. He's a big uh, RC airplane flyer, and um, he he can tell you all kinds of stories where there's been fires created, Um there was one down in in florida where he vacations at and um um i think it burnt it, it started in the garage and they were out of the house for a year over that fire and there was one up my way uh same same idea where uh, a battery was left unattended being yeah, charged yeah and, those, uh, lipos, they,
1: those lipos they can be kind of unstable you got to use uh, he,
2: he cousin jerry gave me a good uh, tip though uh, he says when you charge those things, uh, put them in a clay pot.
1: Yeah, they also make a charge bag for them
2: that, uh, that you yeah. can put them in. Yeah, I saw I saw one of those uh, for sale. It, it came in a pop-up, mm-hmm. but I was a little leery about a fabric bag being kind of fireproof, and mm-hmm. if it was fireproof, how much asbestos was in it. Yeah.
0: So yeah.
2: Either way, I think yeah. it's a lose-lose situation. I think I'll go with the... The clay pot. It's it's more com compliant anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good idea,
0: and make sure you're using the, a proper charger for those. I mean, yeah, you, and the proper rate. Yeah, you yeah. can't just go throwing voltage from a power supply. Yeah,
1: another it. big thing is don't leave them fully charged and store them like that. You need to run them down to about fifty percent before you put them up. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're 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 the highest maintenance battery. Like people used to complain about the memory effect with NiCad batteries, but I'll tell you, lipos, they require so much more attention. Than yeah, NICADs there's no
1: memory. There's no memory with them, but you do have to be kind of careful with them. And, yeah, uh, for sure. Like most of your chargers, like the ones for my drones uh, that use those, uh, have a uh, a storage mode. So if you don't use them, you can put them on back on the charger and put it in storage, and it'll trickle it down to the right voltage, and then you can put it away.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. It's been fun being with everyone tonight and uh go check out those shorts as well and Ham College. You mean these shorts? No, not no keep keep those under the table there. <laughs> that's <laughs> too much information.
3: <laughs>
0: so, all right. everyone. Yep, 7-3, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Email you're mighty quiet.
3: Uh-oh. Am I quiet still? Yeah. How about now?
0: Oh, we hear you now.
3: Okay. <laughs> you didn't say your name. <laughs> I'm Emile.
0: Okay. <laughs>